Good evening, everyone. Tonight we will continue our study in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. Now, in the first study in this chapter, we looked at how the believer in Christ suffers for the gospel. In this, persecution and suffering can come from family members, old friends, and sometimes even from within the body of Christ. But the believer is kept by our great and glorious God, the one true and living God. Then we looked at how the gospel preacher and the church is entrusted with the glorious gospel of salvation in and through Christ alone. We looked at that last week. And what an honor and a privilege it is for the, the man who is sent and called by God to preach the gospel and to be entrusted with the gospel. And also what an honor and privilege it is for the church as well to be entrusted with the gospel of salvation in and through Christ alone. Tonight we will look at preaching the glorious gospel of Christ alone and how we must proclaim the gospel of Christ as sent preachers of God. We have a message that God has given to us and it is real for each of us. And we proclaim salvation in the true and living God who has turned us, who has turned us as well as every saint of God from idols to worship the true and living God. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ the God-man, the one who is fully God and fully man. So let's read verses 1 to 2 of First Thessalonians chapter 2 to get the context of the verses which we will be studying tonight. First Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing man, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of man sought we glory, neither of you nor of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses of God also, how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as their father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. We see in verse 4 that Paul was allowed by God to be entrusted with the gospel. And this is why we preachers are so careful who we put in our pulpits. We have been entrusted with the glorious gospel of salvation in and through Christ alone. And we put those in our pulpit who believe in the free and sovereign grace of God alone, in whom we do not have disputes and in whom we have listened to and know that they faithfully preach and proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul brings forth 
that his preaching was void of deceit, uncleanness, and guile. And he also brings forth that God has entrusted him, Paul, with the gospel of God's free and sovereign grace in Christ alone. Now, he was not taught this gospel by man. This is why he speaks against all inventions of man to say it is of man's works. This is why he speaks against all inventions of man. And that's all that false preaching is, is it is an invention of man to add man's works into the finished work of Christ. Man's work has nothing to do with salvation in Christ. I don't care who the man speaking is. I don't care how many degrees he has behind his name. I don't care if he's Dr. So-and-so. If a man is adding anything that man does to the finished work of salvation in Christ alone, that man is preaching a false gospel. A false gospel. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. Paul, we know, has been taught by the true and living God the gospel of salvation in and through the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And this is what he proclaims. Each chance that he gets to proclaim the gospel, this is what he proclaims. And he proclaims this glorious gospel of salvation in Christ alone to please God, not to please man. And this truth is brought forth in what Paul penned by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to the Galatian church. Listen to what he pens in Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. He says this, and again, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he says, for do I now persuade man or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please man, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we know that our Lord said that his people, all his people, shall be taught of God. Taught of God the Holy Spirit. We are taught by him. If he does not reveal the scriptures to us, if he does not reveal Christ to us, if he does not reveal the truth in the scriptures to us, it'll just be like reading paper and ink. And the gospel preacher preaches the gospel, not to please man, but to please God. Paul knew this truth. He wrote by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God in the passage that we just read about that very thing. The gospel that Paul proclaimed he did not receive from man or by man. So he does not speak as if the gospel was the invention of man. It was not the invention of man. God planned it and purposed it and it's executed by him and by an operation of the Holy Spirit of God, the regenerating power of God. We are granted faith to believe the gospel, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the object of the gospel. Paul speaks to please God and not man. The preacher of God preaches the gospel in the sight of God for the honor and glory of God. Note in verse 5, Paul did not preach to flatter man. Think upon what Brother Tim James brings forth about this. He said, in, in one sense, this is a mute point. If the gospel is preached, men are never flattered. The content and contrast of the gospel abases man and exalts Christ. 
If men are being flattered, then the gospel is not being preached. Grace settles the matter once and for all. Grace is for those who have no merit, end quote. Yep, no merit, no merit, no merit. God's people have no merit before God by anything we do. The only merit we have before God is in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and by the glorious salvation that he wrought on Calvary's cross. So Paul did not flatter his hearers when he spoke. No, he boldly, by the power of God, proclaimed the perfect sin-atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. He taught that there's only one law fulfiller, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one who's fulfilled the law of God. And it was he, the Lord Jesus Christ, who offered himself up to God in the place of his people as the perfect, spotless, sinless lamb of God. And then he rose for our justification to prove that God is satisfied. God's absolutely satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. And his being raised from the grave proved that because he's raised for our justification. And Paul preached Christ in him crucified. And he knew his preaching was not in vain. That means it wasn't fruitless in the Greek. That's what that means. He knew it wasn't fruitless, but it would accomplish what God willed by the power of God alone. And when the gospel preacher steps into the pulpit, we need to keep the main thing the main thing, beloved. And like Paul, we are to preach Christ and him crucified as the only hope for sinners because there is no other hope for sinners. Outside of Christ, there's no hope for sinners. Outside of Christ, men and women perish in their sins and go into a Christless eternity. But oh, in Christ, oh, in Christ, when we depart from this world, we go to be in the presence of the Lord. Glory to his name. And look at how in verse 6, the fact that Paul did not seek personal glory or a following or a man's favor when Paul and, and Timothy and Savannah were preaching the gospel. They did not seek a following. They did not seek personal glory. They did not seek man's favor. Look in verse 6, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6. Nor of man sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. Now, Paul did not look to man for the results of preaching the gospel. No, not at all. And we see plainly that he did not flatter man with the pipe dream of keeping the law or the delusion that their will had anything to do with their salvation. No, beloved, he preached salvation in Christ alone. And he did not do it for personal gain. And he did not do it with a cloak of covetousness. And this brings forth the plainness of Paul's preaching. Now remember, he was taught by one of the most prominent teachers in his day. He was well-educated, but he did not speak to the people in lofty, flattering words, did he? No. He employed plainness of speech without deception, without a cloak of covetousness, and he did not preach for the applause of man or for the popularity of man, neither did he lord over the sheep. He didn't throw his apostolic authority around, did he? To have an advantage over men. He did not do this. He might have said to the saints at Thessalonica and others what he said to Timothy, that elders, preachers, that served are worthy of double honor. But rather than do that, he ministered among them, asking nothing of them. Now, several churches did support him, we know that, with love offerings and gifts. But they did this not because he asked, no, 
but because they loved the Savior. They did this because they loved the Savior. He was proclaiming and they supported him for the furtherance of the gospel, which speaks of their mighty Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul had learned, he had been taught of God to abound amidst suffering and lack as well as when he was healthy and had plenty. Paul had learned he had been taught of God to abound amidst suffering and lack of things as well as when he was healthy and had plenty. He had learned by circumstances which our great God took him through to be content in all situations. And he had been taught this truth, this precious truth of contentment in Christ by the sovereign will and purpose of God and what had occurred in his life. Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we'll read verses 10 to 13, and we will see this bought forth. Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. Now, Paul, Paul was bought into the presence of the Thessalonians by the sovereign will and providence of God. And he was sent there by God, preached the gospel to them. And he fended for himself, beloved. He relied upon our great God, our great and glorious God, the true the one true and living God. And this is true of every gospel preacher in, in every church who has been entrusted with the gospel. Look at verse 7, and we see that Paul, Savannah, and Timothy were gentle among the people of God. They were not short with them. They did not look down upon them. No, they were gentle with them, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Look at verse 7, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. Paul again writes by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherished her children. Paul never forgot how gentle and how patient the Lord Jesus Christ had been with him during his many years of sinful rebellion. Have you, beloved of God, ever considered how patient the Lord was with you before he saved you? Have you ever considered how patient the Lord Jesus Christ has been with you since he has saved you? Have you ever considered that you were drawn to Christ by the cords of God's pure, immutable, everlasting love? What Paul had experienced from the loving hand of God was much more precious to him than that which he had received at the loving hand of parents, his parents who nursed him and cherished him. And this is how all the preachers of the Lord Jesus Christ are to conduct themselves with those we have the honor of ministering to. Never forget, beloved of God, how God has been and still is so gracious and gentle and patient with us. Therefore, ought we also to manifest a loving, gracious, gentle, patient spirit with others? Those who have been shown grace by God will show grace to others. That's just how grace works. That's just how grace works. And this is not just a characteristic of God's preachers, but also of all his born-again, blood-washed children the saints of God. Listen to what the scriptures proclaim in 1 John 4, 11. Beloved, he's writing to God's people. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. 
And think about this. Even in our unregenerate state, we loved our family to the point that if anyone spoke out against our parents or our siblings or our spouse or our children, those were fighting words to us, weren't they? Because love just moves people to defend those we love. One grace preacher brings forth these words. How much more should this be true of our church family? I don't want anyone speaking out against my brothers and sisters in Christ. By God's grace, I will defend those who are members of the body of Christ. Not just the saints here in our body, but all the saints of God. Now let's read verses 7 and 8 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherishes her children. And then verse 8 says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. Notice in verse 7 that Paul begins this sentence with the word but. This is setting the tone for what will follow in the next few verses. As this opposing conjunction is set in opposition to being burdensome, which we see in verse 6. So rather than being burdensome to the people of God, they were gentle with the people of God. They were gentle to them. And note, they were interested in imparting to them, that means giving to them, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul and Savanus and Timothy were not desirous of the things that the Thessalonians had. They were not desirous of what they could give them. And they did not use flattering words to gain a following. No, Paul was desirous to preach the gospel, beloved, the gospel of salvation in Christ alone to the saints at Thessalonica. And he did this not just there, but Paul did this wherever he went. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul constantly brought forth before his hearers the one needful thing, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man, the only Savior of sinners. This is what Paul constantly did, no matter where he went. We see that he proclaims this at the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech. He didn't use flattering words or wisdom, it says declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ in him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit in the power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. We see then, brought before us there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we see it in verse in verse 2, the importance of proclaiming the gospel because the gospel proclaims the one thing needful to sinners, and that is salvation in and through the Lord Jesus Christ, redemption through his precious blood, forgiveness of all the sins of, of those who trust in Christ, justification before God, before the true and living God, all through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel proclaims that Christ is the righteousness of his people. Our righteousness is like filthy rags before God. But oh, the believer right now is clothed in the perfect, spotless righteousness of Christ. And the gospel proclaims that Christ is our righteousness. And believers 
You know, believers are sanctified in Christ. The work of salvation is complete, beloved. It's finished. This was his cry from the cross. It is finished. And finished means finished. There's nothing for man to add to our salvation. Nothing for man to add to our redemption. Nothing for man to add to our justification. And nothing for man to add to our sanctification. This is a work of God. And we have all these things in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. And the believer says, praise his mighty name. Now one might ask, how do you know that? Well, just look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and look at verses 30 and 31. Look what the scripture boldly declares. And again, this is penned by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And and beloved, let this just minister to your heart that we are complete in Christ, that our salvation is complete in him. It's absolutely finished. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31. But of him, Christ, are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us what? Wisdom. He's all our wisdom. Righteousness. Righteousness. He's our righteousness. He's the Lord, our righteousness. And we stand before God, clothed in that perfect spotless righteousness. And then look what it goes on to say. And sanctification. We can't make ourselves holy by anything we do before and after we're saved. But in Christ the believer is sanctified. The scriptures plainly declare this. And then it says, and redemption. Oh, beloved, he is all our redemption. We have salvation only in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And by his shed blood, we have the forgiveness of all our sins. And then it says in verse 31, that according it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. So the believer in Christ glories in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't seek personal glory. We don't seek man's applause. We don't speak to man and woman. Gospel preachers don't speak to man and woman and flattering words. No, we just proclaim what the gospel says. That salvation is in and through Christ alone. That's a good news. That's good news for sinners. And that he's finished the work. It's complete and the believer is complete in him. Oh, that's wonderful news for sinners. That's wonderful news for this sinner. I can tell you that. Wonderful news for this sinner. We see that Paul was willing not only to impart the gospel of God to the Thessalonian saints, which is God's gospel, right? It's his gospel. But because they were dear to him, he would have gladly given his own soul for them. We see that in verse eight. Look in verse eight. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. Oh, beloved, Paul's love for the Lord Jesus Christ was manifested not only by his will and spirit to preach the gospel of salvation in and through Christ alone, even if it cost him his life, but Paul's love for his Savior was also manifested by his love and affection for all of God's saints. And I've said this before. This is the one thing that Satan can't counterfeit is the love of God shed abroad in a believer's heart. He can counterfeit a lot of things, but he cannot counterfeit the love of God shed abroad in the believer's heart. The love that we have for one another, he cannot counterfeit that. Now listen what Paul wrote in light of verse 8 
of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Listen to what Paul wrote again under divine inspiration in the book of Romans. He writes this in chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. He says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. We see then that Paul had a genuine love for those unbelieving, Christ-hating Jews, and many of them had persecuted him from city to city, crying out for his blood. Now think upon this. If Paul had that kind of love for his unregenerate kinsmen, what great love Paul must have had for the people of God, for those who were his brothers and sisters in the household of God, those who are his kinsmen in Christ. Marvel, beloved, at the miracle of grace. God takes a Christ-hating, church-persecuting sinner and makes him a trophy of his grace. And he's saved. Now he's a saved sinner. And by God's grace and mercy and by God's power, he has the love of God shed abroad in his heart by the regenerating power of God, the Holy Spirit, all according to the sovereign will and purpose of God. And I'll tell you this, that's not only true in Paul's life, but that's true of every born again, blood washed saint of God. We have been regenerated by the power of God. We have been turned from idols, turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And now we wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised by his almighty power, whom he raised from the dead for our justification. Even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And oh, the Lord Jesus Christ has delivered us from the wrath to come. The wrath that was due us, the judgment that was due us, all fell upon the blessed Savior in our place. This is why we must preach the gospel. God uses the preaching of the gospel to draw in his lost sheep. He regenerates them by his almighty power, by the Holy Spirit of God, under the preaching of the gospel of salvation in and through Christ alone, and he grants some faith. God does this. He grants some faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he also gives them repentance before God, beloved. And what do we say? All oh, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. Great things he has done. Oh, God's done great things for his people, hasn't he? Let us proclaim the wondrous things that Christ has done for us. Salvation. Oh, salvation. Salvation in him alone. Amen and amen.